As a quick aside before we begin, I want to say a quick thank you to our Patreon sponsor, Sean Marshall. Thanks for keeping the show afloat, bud. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to Choreographers of War, your one-stop source for all things Harlequins in the war-torn world of Warhammer 40k. As always, my name is Batty, and I am once again joined by my co-host, Rob. Hey guys, be clowns, do murder, and uh, say hello to Hey everyone, it's Gabe, back here again, Our, uh, and I'm very happy that we got co-host. Rocket here, Red Rocket, in the channel, uh, from this code, joining us as well. Hey Rocket, how about you introduce yourself? Hello. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's a pleasure, buddy. You've been around with us for a long time. You're a, a well-known name in our community as far as your uh, your hobby interests and your, your game insight. You've been around with us, like I said, you've been, you've been with us for a minute, so a lot I of people are going to recognize your name. I threatened to make him a mod name. like three times now. <laughs> <laughs> it is a punishment. So. I mean, you do nothing except then you have to, like... When new updates are coming up, you have to post content and pin it to channels. It's it's a lot of work, man. <laughs> I not be and by that I mean there's like two mods to do all the work, and that, one of them is me, and I do like 33 percent of the work. The other's aggressively memeing. He's he's like he's really the I'm gonna be honest. He's like arcane mod. Like just to sidetrack here, he does like more mod work than I think. He does about as much mod work as the rest of us combined. So. <laughs> you see, what I don't tell everybody is that when I take you in as a mod, your primary job is babysitting Rob, and that's really <laughs> where the picture is. <laughs> but anyway, we are back again. We've got a lot to talk about today, and let me address the elephant in the room. We are recording this episode just after after the discussion and the release of the new data slate changes that not only came to Harlequins, but the game as a whole. So... Let, let me just get it out there. We're going to be touching on that a little bit. We've got some things to say. We're going to talk about it. We're going to give you some information. But we have a full episode coming about that next time. Yeah, so that's, this is kind of how we think of it. Like, uh, if you're currently playing Warhammer, there's a chance you're playing Arcs of Omen. But if you're playing it IRL, there's a pretty good chance you're either playing with somebody going to LVO or you're going to LVO. And that means you're playing Nephilim right now. So, like, you're playing Nephilim until... Turn RTTs, everybody's playing Nephilim until basically the beginning of February. So, like, the last day of January is the last, technically, I think, technically speaking, the last day of uh, LVO is when you can start putting in events for the 2023 season. So, like, the LVO mm-hmm. RTT will be, like, a chance to be the top player in your, uh, if you win your eight-man bracket, you will yeah. probably be the top person in your faction for a few for a whole week. so so we're going to talk about like lvo and end of season stuff in a couple minutes but i just want to get that out there that yes the data slate is out we have a lot to say about it but we want to let it digest we want to let some of the fervor die down a little bit we want to let people get some experience with it before we start making knee-jerk reactions we are going to talk about it so sit tight it it's going to come up it's going to be next episode don't you worry plus we can't literally read from it right now because arcs of omen isn't technically like we can read from the data slate or the faqs but some of the faqs aren't going to be out until either this saturday or next week and we're recording this before yep those dates because arcs of omen isn't officially out yet so yeah like exactly. the gw update app isn't even updated guys we're gonna we're gonna get there we promise but yeah. you know this is our january episode that's more of a yep <laughs> yep 
And like I said, believe me, we've got a lot, a lot to say. We are going to. Uh, some factions don't oh, even, yeah. can't even build lists properly in Oxford Loman. So we're expecting a ton of <laughs> FAQs and a lot of clarification from Games Workshop. Uh, it's also a whole new world. Like, there's a data slate. There's also a new season. There are points changes. The MFM changes. So. We really don't know. We, we, we all need oh. to take some time to digest what these changes look like in totality before we can say, like, hey, you know, Harlequins are A, B, or C. <laughs> like, I've got one Inari game in with Arcs of Omen, and that was, like, with the leaks. So, like, it's not perfect. We don't even really have games in. And although I do have a fun thing. So people say you can't take Abaddon outside of Black Legion, but it turns out as long as you take... Okay, so there's a trick to this, and I learned it today, and it's beautiful. It's like, totally rules is written accurate, and it's intended, I think. So what you do is, you're Chaos, and you can take a Demon's Patrol, right? So, unless you're Chaos Knights, sucks to be them. <laughs> so Chaos Knights, anybody but Chaos Knights, rather, can take a Demon's Patrol. If you make it Mono God, you can slip Abaddon in as the HQ... It shares a keyword, so it's still a legal detachment. And because Abaddon, as long as Abaddon plus the rest of the demons is under 25% of your total PL, the uh, keywords work out so that Abaddon is legal, attachment is legal, and they don't impact your access to your uh, main detachment's abilities for uh, CSM buffs. So it's really cool. It's just like, you just it's really tricky because you don't have a lot of PL left after you include Abaddon. But he didn't go up in PL. That's pretty nice. I, I just want to say just, players are so good at finding loopholes <laughs> in the rules. Uh, like, you're going to try, uh, you're gonna try to stop us. Discord. Good luck with that. <laughs> well, the thing is, most people assume it's not, is that GW is going to FAQ it. Because, like, you can't take the Silent Cane out of Cesarac Dynasty right now. Which is just, like, BS. Because, like, the, the Necrons need their Silent King, yo. <laughs> Like yeah, that's fair. They're not going to win if they don't have... Like, he's what makes the faction... Uh, also just... He brings them up to playable level. And right... Without Supreme... To preface this, this is because Supreme Command Detachments don't exist anymore, guys. Temporarily, at least. So you mm -hmm. can't take one in Arcs of Omen. And so that means, like, Abaddon, unless you use the Demon's Trick, can't be taken outside of Black Legion... Uh, the Silent King can't be taken out of Cesarakin. You can't do things like taking uh, Shadow Sun in a non-Tau. I'll also just say really quickly here. that it is a weird like, time to be playing 40k right now, system. knowing all the changes <laughs> on the horizon. I played, and I was very happy to win an RTT last weekend. And we were playing Nephilim, but with God allowed, and it was still weird seeing like you know all the flamers roll the uh, 36 shots on average. You know, you you could see you could see the Tau bombers coming in and eviscerating some elf players. <laughs> And it, you know it's weird to see that and know that you know that's gonna be gone in like a month or so. But that is the LVO practice. People are coming in to get games in the lo my local area to try to just hammer out LVO, and it's it, it is weird. And but I'm I'm really excited. You know, for me yeah. personally, I really didn't like planes. Um, I was playing God, and second place was Tyranids, and it did feel like an end of an era. Like this is the end of Nephilim. Like my Tyranid, my Tyranid opponent with friends, and he's just like, yeah, like this list goes up 300 points. I'm like, sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Speaking of the past weekend, I got a third overall at my store for our uh, citywide league, and that's gonna put me uh, at Good the stuff. top sixteen of thirty-two in our uh, league championship. So technically, nice. I'm only playing one day, but I'm actually gonna get GT points, and I'm really excited about that because that's like the, that's yeah. some pretty Good, good ITC points there. Can I? Uh, yeah. I went to one, and I lost literally. If it literally, chances are, if 
three spore mines had it managed to do six mortal wounds, hey. I would be second and going to the champion. Going spore to mines the are going away uh, for good. But I did not. So uh, glad spore mines are going away. Yes, three spore yeah. mines doing six mortal wounds is so unlikely too. They have to roll two sixes, and then they have to roll a combined at least one three of those two. It's so ridiculous. Like. And he, yeah. he just gadded my Farseer with three spore mines. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And then that it was on a hold two, hold three. While the other guy who lost and got second was on a hold one, hold two in the game. He lost to Tyranids. And he was playing mm-hmm. uh, Emperor's uh, Chosen Custodes. So he was much weaker, he much less weak to the Mortal Wound spam. So it just felt like I kind of got, I got jinxed when it came to what... Uh, the matchup order was like it wasn't yep. even who fought who it was who fought who on which mission <laughs> yeah because i had to have like everything go right for like i had to dodge the custodes player who had like three tanks all with anti-elf infantry guns and just it was so close third is still really good though i didn't even yeah, finish all eight you. of my games and finished painting my army last league so i'm like <laughs> I, i'm feeling pretty awesome about that <laughs> although my store only had one beater so I'm kind of afraid of the data slate because, like, I've got some <laughs> friends that play, like, Ultramarines and Admech, and, like, I crushed them, like, really <laughs> hard. And now they're kind of looking at me, like, salivating me, like, let's have a game. <laughs> Unironically, <laughs> Ultramarines is one of the matchups I hate because I play an Ultramarine player probably, like, once a month, and it's always the same guy. And, like, if I'm not careful, I've actually, so, turns out I finally realized why I don't like Thousand Suns plus Flamers and, uh, Things like, uh, um, what are they called? The, tyr- the current Tyranid Kraken Mortal Wound Spam builds. Because you bad touch them and it doesn't matter. They still hurt you back really badly. Because they have a bunch of invulns and they do a bunch of Mortal Wounds to you. So, like, mm-hmm. what do? Like, that's my army bad touches you and you're supposed to not be happy about it. Not be like, ooh, now I know who I'm smiting. Yeah. Oh my god, I got my butt kicked uh, so hard. So, uh, by the way, this is my LVO practice. To, we actually, that the, the day after this Sunday, I went 0-2 against two of our, probably two of the three best players at my store. Who yeah. weren't in the, One of them was actually the guy who kicked my butt in the league. So he was the only one I lost to in the league championship. And he beat everyone. He went, I don't think he dropped a single game all league. He went like 11 or 12-0 counting the championship. So like... He literally did not drop a single game so far. <laughs> he kicked all of our butts with Kraken uh, nids. So, but I fought uh, Emperor's Ch- Emperor's Children, which uh, so get this: I trade an Anari ten man player group with uh, plus one to wound on it and Jinx on the enemy, and I had to use sec- Fate dice to get those off, and then I also bumped their damage to three. Guess how many uh, Terminators I killed this weekend how many zero and then i lost the entire harlequin squad in clapback so i literally (laughs) traded two cp two fate dice oh my god it was the worst trade deal in the his it was the great fail like you've heard of the great fall we were warned that they were tough though i know but like i fought other terminators and i mean part of it was just bad rolls like that was also i just rolled poorly but like A 10-man troop, like, takes out a knight, guys. Like, doing zero damage is really bad. <laughs> I cannot express so, how badly true. that screwed me over. Like, I so not, since you brought it up, 
Since you brought it up, let's talk about your expectations for LVO, since you are going to be going in a little over two weeks. Yeah, so that's actually what I was doing is training. And I also fought, so I fought like this weekend, I fought the three biggest medalists I was scared of. And as part of that, I updated my list. This is my last list update before LVO. And um, so my list as of now is pretty fun. Um, it's my style, but um, I'm slipping in uh, Shroud Runners and Swooping Hawks to get Hi. some more shooting. And I've dropped my second troop for uh, Shining Spears and a Cavalite Warrior Squad since I'm Minari and they're the cheapest. <laughs> this is, I'm Minari and I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now they're the cheapest OPSEC in all of uh, Eldari because racks went up. But we're not going to talk yeah. about that. That's for next time. It's, it's <laughs> just time to, to get some Shroud Runners. That's true. Shroud Runners. Dude, Shroud Runners. Dude. I bought another three uh, uh, Rogue Trader era Death Jesters to convert into to convert as part of my as part of my Shroud Runner conversions, which we're going, oh, we're going awesome. to talk about later. But I bought I'm probably only bringing three to LVO because Hawks haven't been nerfed as of LVO, so like they're cash money, and they uh, potentially cancel Overwatch or an action, which is pretty so, great. Are Shroud Runners good now, or are they good in preparations for Arcs of Omens? Both. They're good now. Okay. They're going down five points, but they're already good. That's why they're oh, going to cool. be crazy. Is they're okay, good, because I low-key really down. like that unit, yeah, so I'm happy to see five. that they've got some table points. They're going to make them cost as much as a regular bike with a scatter laser. Except these guys have a pregame move, an extra wound, and hit on 2-plus instead of 3-plus. They're going to be yeah, cash that's awesome. The only problem is slots. Yeah. Like, that's the big issue with Arcs of Omen, and we're going to talk about that, but actually, so funny enough, I'm not running two patrols anymore either, so I get back uh, some command points, which I use one of them on relics for my Shining Spear and Howling Banshees. And so, like, I guess what I'm doing, though, is, okay, so I've given up some of the matchups. Like, I'm just not going to try Emperor's Shield. If you have Flamers, I'm just going to do the best I can. But, like, I may have a chance into Demons, but I don't got no chance into quite a few matchups. Well, not a few. Just a few. Not quite yeah. a few. Just a few. And that's, like, that's why I switched to these light shooting units, because they're good into things that are a little more hoardy. And taking mm -hmm. out things like Gargoyles, Warriors, Raveners, just zone thropes like they help in the Tyranids matchup. It's, it's not easy. They help in the Orcs it's matchup, which if people they have, they have a ton of bodies. Actually... Uh, for me, uh, yeah, it's not easy for Inari. Yeah, because I play my Inari very Harlequin-esque, and so that makes the orcs match up pretty tough. So, so having the extra shooting with all the scatter lasers and hockey lasers, whatever they're called, I don't even... They have, like, some special shrine weapon. I don't know what it's called. So it sounds like it's you're... like a las blaster or something. So it it's sounds like blaster, you're kind yeah. of teching into some of your more challenging matchups, but just sort of ignoring the absolute worst matchups. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm trying to not like lower any of my matchups while boosting some at least. So like I'm taking units that aren't bad in matchups that, or at least the points I'm spending on them aren't like a complete waste in that I've got other units already teched are that are already good in those matchups. Like usually troops do well into Marines, shining spears do well into Marines, Falcons, pop tanks, etc. So, like, I have some room here. But, like, if I tech other ways, like towards D cannons, the problem is I still don't have enough anti tank for the really heavy tank matchups. And then it's like, okay, so if my opponent has three Redemptor Dreadnoughts instead of two, I might have a slightly higher chance. But if he has 
five dreadnoughts, I'm still effed. So, like, (laughs) or, you know, if he's knights, I'm still, like, I'm not blowing up that many knights. (laughs) Not that I expect to see, like, four big knights or anything. That would be a crazy build. But, like, you have to because I'm going to be, like, lower mid-tables to mid-tables. And I know that, like, the people I play locally who are LVO equivalent to upper mid-tables, like, they may not be getting top eight at LVO, but they're potentially, they're... I, I would be surprised. You, you never know what you run into, two. right? Like, yeah, they they're go going three, strong into yeah. day two. Like I'm the peop- I'm the person going three three. They're the people going four one one. <laughs> yeah. And they kick my butt still usually. So like I know my place. I know I'm like not in it to win it. <laughs> but I want to like reduce the chance that like increase my chance of getting like a tough matchup in the mid tables and still like taking it. Well, like. Mm-hmm. The matchups I have to give up, like Thousand Suns and Flamers, I've just given up on that one. That's not happening. That's <laughs> I'm getting my butt kicked. Yeah, that's. I want to enjoy it. I love that one's actually pretty fun until I die. Like I get a, I played it this weekend and it was like until they dropped the Flamers, I was actually destroying a lot of things. It felt productive. At least I got to kill stuff. I mean, I still lost by a bunch, but I got to <laughs> kill stuff, okay? Especially if I go first. Like, that's my army's trick is, like, if I go first into a lot of, like, rougher matchups, it gives me an advantage because I have the striking scorpions. Yeah, my strategy is just go first ten times. Yeah, just go first. Easy. You're going to play You're going to go ten times, so you're going to also go first in the shadow round. Yep. Just put all your bikes on the line. Shadow round and the finals, both. <laughs> yeah, it's just like we just need to win, roll four ups, and go first. Like, yeah, that's kind of like my plan. To be honest, is just like be good enough to win half my games, and like in those half, I might go first. Don't don't go second too often. Is my plan basically? Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't 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 have too many. I mean, like if if the matchup gods say no, I could go two four still. But, like, I'm going to be ashamed if I go one No, no, no. That will bring shame I do, I do think Rob does go, go, no. give a really good point. If you're playing to go to LVO, so. remember, um, there's only one person who wins everything, or, like, you know, one or two are undefeated at all. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you got you got a level <laughs> set in, like, say, yeah, there's, like, a thousand one, people, like, and only event, one of them you know, wins, What am I trying guys. to do? What's my, what, you know, is, is my goal just to socialize and have fun? Is it to, like, get a certain result? You know, pl- like, please don't go into this thinking that, I'm, okay, I would definitely yeah. beat John Lennon and Richard Siegler when I get there. Like, you know, you could you could have that as a goal, but you also need to think about, is that realistic? <laughs> like, we are all, like, especially in a competitive channel where I'm really active in, in only Carlequin Discord, you know, we're always talking about how to win, strategize and stuff. But you got you got to keep your, like, level-headed and think about, hey, you know, I'm, I'm playing Warhammer for nine hours. How do I make? How do I give myself the best chances? You know, how do I play the odds in my favor? What should I check into? What can yeah. I do to dodge? You, know, you can think about all these things, but please remember to have fun. You know, and you know, just set your expectations, meet folks, and have fun. Like, don't go nuts thinking like, oh my god, Tyranids are so busted. I mean, they all are. Like, let's let's be honest, like they are. Like, and and there's a lot of variation in you know in 40k factions, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's coming from a Harlequins player, by the way. It's very a rock. It's a very rock paper. It's a very rock paper scissors meta right now. It's a rock paper scissors meta when it comes to the top armies, and even like the armies just a tier below them. Chances are you're just like smaller yeah. rock, smaller paper, smaller yeah. scissors. Yeah. So your goal yep. is to lose to increase your chance into larger paper, 
No, you're going to lose the scissors and just give up on that and make sure you never lose to Big Rock, even if it's Big Rock. Big Rock, man. But yeah, he's please scary, like, keep, keep, he's it, big, keep it simple and know your matchups. But we gotta cover him up. Get those reps in. Nothing beats practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep it. Think of it more like hands, a lead. Not, think of no. it more like a ladder or a lead. Like <clears throat> if you think of it like that, like give yourself a range. Like I'm looking to go two four to four two, but I'm hoping for three three. Like, I will be happy with 3-3. I will be very happy with 4-2. I would literally die if I got 5-1. I would be, like, on cloud <laughs> freaking 9. Like, I would not believe I would not believe that. Like, that would be uh, clearly, uh, like, something... I'm, I'm sure... I, I think we did an episode before on playing no, in tournaments, but please, like, stand up for 9 hours, you know, drink water, take care of yourself. But, yeah, have a go. Have fun at Alvio. <laughs> oh, my God. At least one water bottle per game. One water bottle per game minimum. Wear comfy shoes. Shoes, important. Uh, make sure you have something to carry your models, and that includes carrying them to LVO, whether it's via plane or car or, I don't know, kayaking. Like, how are you getting to Las I, Vegas? I've heard kayaking to Las Vegas is <laughs> yeah. surprisingly accessible. The big, <laughs> the big challenge I have for competition, be it you know Warhammer or otherwise, is often I'm traveling oh, yeah. somewhere and I'm not sleeping well, partly because I'm anxious and partly because... You know, it's, it's also Vegas, right? You want to go out and me, drink and have fun. Oh my fun god, and that kills me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be having fun just socializing with nerds, dude. I, I already have my goal set. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Okay, I might have like one shot of fireball or something, but that's gonna be probably my limit. Like, I'm not gonna like Siegler it and go back to my room right after the games and start planning out the next day. But like, I'm still gonna, you know. I've got a team. I want to. I haven't met a lot of these guys IRL. I've known them for several years though on Facebook and Discord and stuff. So like, I'm really excited to meet people, and just like, like it's really fun. You're just at a fucking nerd convention, guys. Like, yeah. I cannot, like, it's basically a 40k convention. Everyone there likes 40k. Yeah. It's really nice. You get to talk nerd <laughs> shit. You don't. Out, you won't out yourself accidentally as a nerd because like, everyone no there is already a nerd. You know, there's, there's no need to like hide your. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to bully you, if okay, anything, guys. Unless if anything, you're playing, you're gonna get shamed by not being as big of a nerd as the other people. Yeah, that's like literally like when I like I went to it. I think I mentioned this last episode. The first big tournament I went to, I met like a guy who uh, I I imbibe his online content, and he knew who I was because we posted in the same Discord. And then another guy I buy minis from on Shapeways. Like I literally met him. He let me. He was going to offer me free bits, and I was like, you don't need to bribe me. You're cool. <laughs> I even literally, he had me contact Batty about a custom order that was, like, in limbo or something. I forget. It was <laughs> yeah. back in May. Like, <laughs> yep. like it's a small community. Like, remember, our biggest tournament is only 1,000 people. Now, 1,000 yeah. people is a lot of people, but it's not that many. It's not like it's a football stadium. I, I think people that's forget like, the comp 40K that's like is like middle school football. Like, 40K is big. <laughs> like, people know what Space Marines are, right? <laughs> yeah oh yeah we've talked about this before I've yeah. actually noticed I like when people ask me about like my team battle brothers sh shirt sometimes they, they think D&D is like they think Warhammer is like D&D we roll dice we I, roll I dice give up at that point I'm like I, that's close enough yes I play well, yes. well I mean there's lots of people who buy Warhammer models there's there's a few more people who go to the stores and play there's a few more people who play local RTTs but the people who actually will travel yeah. across the country to go to a tournament, that's really Across niche. the world? Yeah, really neat. Yeah. Across the world, I'm, yeah. 
I'm my first round opponent. (laughs) Go. Yeah, my first round opponent in LVO 2020, right before the pandemic, was from Europe. Oh, yeah, that's and awesome. the big thing is, we only get two I'm, LVOs I'm also gonna this say, edition. Where next LVO is probably going to be tenth edition. So it's 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 pretty hype though. Edition like, only lasts three yeah, years. Yeah, with COVID, guys, really, we like... really saw events coming back in the last year or so. <laughs> like COVID. it's really exciting to see in person pay return. Oh yeah, like I was just about to get into it. Like I'd gone to a couple RTTs and that was it. And then COVID hit after I was like finally trying to like man up and or clown up and paint my clowns turns out that you just have to admit that you can't paint diamonds that's the first step (laughs) so what do you guys think about lvo running the uh, old rules as opposed to the new rules yeah they have to because that's what we've been practicing like i can't switch my army list can you imagine i'm an elder player i have like no changes to make and it would it's just way too soon I would not know any of my matchups. That's the problem. I, I, I think they did the right thing because can you so imagine telling all the Tyranid players, Hollywood players, or anyone just being like, hey, sorry, your strategy has to change because God players are getting a new book. And also, all these changes are coming. Because you suck now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then world leaders might come out like the weekend before LVO, which would be after the rules update. But like, oh, if I- you want, like, RTTs, you can run rules being released like the day before. Yep, my- that sometimes is actually what you want to do because like, you might be doing an RTT as practice. Like some of our RTTs we run locally, big tournament practice. Yeah, so some- they're specifically planned before another event. And so you want to play that event's rules. But my opinion is yeah. they made the right decision. But as a spectator... Oh, yeah, they, they, they did that last time with Custodes and Custodes one, so they're just like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I understand. I, I, I... Yeah. Custodes got second, yeah. Custodes got second. That was insane. That was so dumb. Custodes shouldn't, like... I, I think they should yeah. do all cutoffs. I, I like chaos really too. Like I like maximum chaos. Like it's like you know because I feel like maximum chaos good. means all the established players have less of a chance when a random person can show up with like I don't know three repulsor executioners <laughs> or something stupid like that. Right? Like I'm all here for the drama, but I get Oops, it. You know, like, LVO is our competitive <laughs> event of the year. It's supposed to cap off the whole season, and it, like that event should be a reflection of the season yes. where we played. So yeah. Tyranids are back. Yeah, I'd be really pissed off if I was, a, you know, a top level player and I was preparing and then they're like, oh, by the way, you've got two weeks to figure out your list. Uh, so yeah. riddle me this, Batman. I'm going to give you guys a Batman riddle and you have to figure out how it segues into our next uh, our next or our next uh, section. So uh, riddle me this reflections. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to be Batman from the 60s and answer my own riddle. Well, it's simple. Uh, what was it? Riddler? Yeah, that was his name. Riddler? He's trying to give us a clue. Well, I guess Batman doesn't usually talk to the Riddler during his, like... I've watched a movie. It was really... It was like the 60s Batman with like, the Riddler. It was really funny. No, he wasn't, like... He was campy back then. So he was like an egg. New hope. Hope. The UN! So it's reflections, shadows, dreaming shadow, anti-Necron, Robert's theme for his army. Yeah, that's my that's my segue. Because I like dreaming shadow and Alay talk, and they hate the Necron. So my players, when I get to LVO, will probably uh, if I have time to finish my conversion by then. So my guys really hate Necrons. I like the guys um, who hate Necrons, so I guess my guys hate Necrons, right? Like that's kind of how it works. Like. 
sure, I, I have kind of my guy. <laughs> oh, Rob, I just want to say, are you the kind of person who submits like, the entire law and like, when you submit your list, you have an entire law paragraph and stuff. Like, you know, it'll be like HQ. Instead of like, just True Master, it'll be like, you know, Galfagorda ascended. And then there's like a seven par- long, long paragraph of how, like, the, the story. So, <laughs> <laughs> the first RGT I, I went to, actually, I, need to do that um, I didn't know what list submission was like. <laughs> so I literally submitted my entire like ten page battle scribe print off to the list because we didn't have BCP. We were literally handing them our list. So I t- I turned in like my entire battle scribe printout one unit per page. I, d- I didn't know it was a thing. People would adorable. sneak their entire like, OC uh, into the oops. list submission to like make it harder to understand <laughs> their list. <laughs> Dude, they they. No, no, they were doing it to get on Goonhammer. Didn't you see there was a guy who got on Goonhammer with his whole list lore, and it was glorious. But then he got on there multiple times, and they started cutting the lore, and then, like, I think somebody else got their lore on, and it was a, it was a whole Imagine thing. Imagine you're, earlier, like, or, competing uh, for top tables, mid, and you see your opponent's list. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, eating, you're eating lunch, you know, it's final tables. You're, like, you're calm and collected. You open up the BCP after <laughs> their list to see what's up, and you instead get eight pages of OC writing. <laughs> <laughs> this is thought this is shadow the hedgehog these are great ideas. It has to be really bad like they're just like submitting a sonic the hedgehog how to troll then... your local competitive scene <laughs> so lore i actually saw uh red rocket made a post about this like on discord like a day or two ago explain your you have something about tyranids in your lore explain Oh, oh, it, you know, it's sort of lore. I was just sort of, you know, looking at the meta. You know, they're they're making an overarching story in 40k, and I was thinking, like, almost taking the competitive win rates and making a lore story about that. So the concept was Harlequins and and Tyranids were dominant in in Nephilim or even the last six nine months, and sort of the idea of like maybe Harlequins were manipulating and sort of luring Tyranids into you know, to attack the the chaos forces and even the imperial forces and maybe divert them away from like some of the craft worlds like Ulthway. And and then the nerf is basically the Tyranids slam into the the Space Marines and the Imperium and the Imperium are Imperium dying. But the Imperium are like, all right, let's get in some reinforcements. Crush yeah, cr- and the guard come in, they crush the nids, the harlequins flee off into the webway, and then the marines are like, all right, we're going to hit back. But sort of this sort of concept of like, this is all part of the overarching plan, like, you know, the Shadow Seers. I knew. actually really like that. That's really cool. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Because, like, I actually had, in my original lore, I was considering doing, like, Dreaming Shadow, but they hate Tyranids instead. Because I do play a lot of Tyranids against them. And uh, they were my first army back when I was, like, 11 or whatever. So, like, I do have a soft spot in my heart for the Tyranids, which is why I was interested in your story. And that's really a cool way of looking at things. Like, love me some Nids in general, but, like, that's actually... Yeah, it's like Leviathan and Kraken. They were the most common factions, so that's that's the lore. And it would almost be cool if somebody who who had interest in writing lore and knew a little bit more about it, who also followed the meta basically wrote uh, a meta-based lore going forward like you can do does this, everyone guys, does everyone run... has open submissions yeah so like, does literally like, you could do this officially you know right if now, everyone you runs a bad and you throw them in if everyone wins the avatar you you know you make the avatar a big player like Harle- light yeah. harlequins would probably be the key 
player and the story, and then it started to transition into Twilight, and you know those, those that kind of idea. I think it would be. Uh, neat. I, I would really buy this like Black that. Library novel. <laughs> Somebody needs to do it. I would man. buy that. I would buy it. I mean, they kind of do it with the campaign books in a way, but like it's not. They're trying to predict the meta instead of, and I guess the campaign books are more specific than the overall meta. Like, well, it's like it's a story. It's a story, story written by the community, whether they realize it or not, yeah. right? Which I think is really except cool the last idea. time GW let us write a story, um, it didn't turn out well because it turned out uh, Battlefleet Gothic Chaos was really bad, and uh, 40k Chaos was the most broken army in all of uh, 40k history at the time, and so um, they had a, an event, and you were supposed to submit your games. Yeah. But that meant Chaos lost every fleet battle and won every land battle. So they took Cadia in this old lore, but lost the space battle. And that was the one outcome that GW yeah, like, is... could not write good lore for. That was the worst outcome from GW's perspective. See, I kind of see as like the, the climax of this <laughs> like competitive lore story will be LVO. Like, who's going to win the battle Ooh. in the end, right? Like, will it be the yeah, Harlequins? Yeah, do this will like be, Dawn of War style sons? on one planet? Dawn of War style on one planet where just every faction is inexplicably Harlequins are contenders. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Yeah, they've all converged, And they are extremely high skill ceiling, skill expression army that I can see any dedicated pair. Yep. Mm-hmm. There is no Arcs of Omen in LVO. Yeah, I think they play into all the lists, so it'll be really interesting to see how they do. I've got my fingers crossed. Rooting for the home so to, to circle back into what we're talking about a little bit, um, today we're going to be going over a little bit more things related to the hobby and theme side of your army. How to put together your army, how to kind of really make your army your own based on how you build them, convert them, paint them, and the story you build around them, which Rob, you know, very graciously segued us into before somehow. <laughs> so we kind of touched on it now that oh, one no. of the first things you do when building your army and really kind of not so much physically constructing but actually kind of putting together the you know the the mystique of your army is to give them a theme to give them a story to give them some personality and you can either do that in a couple different levels of ways where as we've just been talking about giving them backstory giving them lore giving them you know uh, giving them characters giving them some actual like written story to them or there is just a simple idea of just basing them around a theme which is something that i do you know my, my mask doesn't have a specific lore they don't have stories that are told they don't have you know accolades they don't have this written account but everything is based around one central idea one central build that everything is uniquely identifiable as part of that group and that's one of the first ways you can really work on making your army a one one full cohesive unit yeah, yeah like uh I do it through a mix of, I'm painting, uh, I won't be finished converting, uh, finished uh, repainting everything by LVO, but I'm currently running a list of pair. Almost everything in my list has a pairing where there's two related units. And so um, each unit in a pair is going to be painted. One is going to be painted in my old scheme and one is going to be painted in my, which was like ghosty. And my new scheme is deserty. And I'm really enjoying the desert scheme. It feels like I have much more like, room to express myself and try to get like a cool like I, I imagine a desert ranger that's really where I literally have my only model I painted in uh, high school I still have is a uh, ranger so like and he's painted in desert camel and uh, that just like inspired me to do this like and that gives you motivation that's a big part is like themes can give you motivation like all my conversions 
give me much more motivation than regular building, and they're all exactly. based upon like a Harlequin and non-masculine theme. It's all yeah, exactly. feminine and gender neutral. Yeah. For my uh, craft worlds and Harlequins, so. Yeah, my army is sort of a uh, a black and white, like high contrast checkers theme. Like I sort mm-hmm. of almost a Frozen Stars look, but I just like love the high contrast black uh, and white diamonds, and then I. I just want like a little bit of pop of like desaturated colors, like a bit of pink, a bit of purple, some blue, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like a black and white theme. And yeah, it's it's I say choose a theme you like because you're going to be spending a lot of hours doing it. And oh, I must yeah. say I do enjoy painting my army, especially on Harlequins, where you're going to be kind of either airbrushing or stenciling or you know hand painting yeah. all those diamonds. You've got to come up with each individual like, and you can kind of formula formulate it out by doing you know every model has this limb this way and this limb that way and their body that way, or you can completely change it up model by model, unit by unit. It's entirely up to you, but that's how you make your your unit stand out. It's how you make it pop. It's how you make it your own. It differentiated from, and that's one thing we're blessed as with Harlequins where nothing's formulaic with our army. So you can, so every person's army is going to look different. Even if somebody paints their army in a theme of a pre-existing mask is going to look different than somebody else who does that. Yeah. yeah Cause I mean, that's especially for Harlequins. Cause our, this is a lore fact. Our masks, are uh, the pictures actually vary even within a mask. Like, yeah, exactly. We yeah. don't have like, uh, we don't have like those studio armies that are like, this is the mask. These are the colors. Buy this color. Buy this color. Highlight with it. No, no. You just get like mauve and blue. Yeah. And red. Those are your color. Okay, those are those are terrible color options, but. But I know combined, it's not like yeah. marine chapters where you know each yeah. chapter is this exact palette, these exact paint yeah, pots, like, and this exact like, layout. It's well, even crazier. Like ultramarines have their older colors and their newer color, and they're actually different. So you could tell how yep. old an ultramarine, our official-looking ultramarine army, is based upon its blue. Well, it's, yeah. Yeah. children, I'm going to date myself. I was playing in Rogue Trader, and when the Harlequins came out, I mean, we probably all know that picture, but I mean, they were all different, like neon colors. And even oh, though, I love even though I've, neon. Yeah, I've chosen not to go that route, but what I have done from inspiration from that is make every boat every bike every troop different even though they're within the same theme like no two are going to be identical and so it's that sort of every model was unique you know going back to those road trader days and that's what i kind of like about harlequins you could literally just paint 100 models and just different colors and it would it would work yeah and i mean then you have like for example i have a little bit of anti-necron lore so i'm doing some necron related conversions in my list like uh, my support weapons are eventually going to be heavy destroyer bodies with just the cannon on top. The support weapon weapon on top. Oh, cool. Okay. And then my players are go- have... Uh, I ordered 60 of the pre-9th edition uh, Necron Warrior heads from Australia to replace my ne- my troop heads with. <laughs> I, I have those are all the all-identical ones, and that's what I envision. So, like, mm-hmm. I went out of my way to oh, buy shit. the more expensive Probably like four weeks. I had to get shipped from Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to meet yeah like oh they're here now but like yeah just to meet my like vision i went like i went really specific and i had like uh and then like i'm gonna like give some of the death gestures and stuff probably like immortal heads and so on so i made one conversion where i uh, a nice leagues of otan player gave me one of their models and i have Excellent. a harlequin jumping wow. up and stabbing it in the face with the harlequin's kiss 
and the and the Hell votan yeah. is like falling backwards. And so I posted on the Leagues of Votan Discord asking for their opinions of how I should mount it. <laughs> They're oh like, you should put I the League a, of Votan on top. <laughs> I played a Space Marine player. Well, I didn't play him. I talked to him. He was at the same tournament though. He had on his um, base. He had a Tyranid head from like a Gaunt or something, and. Apparently, it was painted in the exact scheme he was instructed how to paint in by somebody from, uh, he used to live uh, in a city to the south of us. And so he matched uh, an old opponent's scheme and used the same colors to match oh, nice. it. Like, you... not only a tyranid head, their tyranid head. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's like the ultimate, like, dominating somebody. You're like, not only did I beat you, but I've painted, like, models on my bases like your army. <laughs> Like, oh you think being compared to the soy jack and not the chat is bad? The, you, 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 so, you have nothing on that. The I put your models on my base, good sir. So I'm putting out a I'm putting out a bounty to the community to anybody who can actually fulfill this. So I have long since been trying to find so like miniature scale down versions. I'm talking like like things that are like maybe like. 10 millimeters in size, but oh. I want Smurfs, like actual Smurfs to put on all my bases because I hate Ultramarines. Oh. So I just want to have my Harlequins attacking actual Smurfs on their bases. Like, like, and if like the, anybody like can cartoon, find the right? appropriate scaled ones, I'll, I'll have something for you. Oh yeah, 3D, you. Printer, <laughs> 3D printing can do that. I don't know, I found something on eBay. I don't know how, these, these, are, these are like 99 cents each. I've tried they're to look. I haven't found though. anything in the correct scale, but I don't I, know what I scale them. they are. But they look small. They're on like those little toy skateboards from the early '90s. Yeah, so, like, I, I need them so bad. <laughs> the problem is oh, you yeah. have to find ones that are cheap. Well, yeah, because I'm gonna need like 80 of them. But... <laughs> oh yeah, these are one inch. That's to... probably too big, right? Uh, I just want to say you guys have like some Maybe. crazy lore. My my, my Harlequins are just like you. <laughs> you know mad that people are not returning their books. You know, so they're just coming out there, fusion pistol in hand. <laughs> That's actually a joke whenever I play right. Thousand Sons. Like, I'm like, like whenever well, the two sons come over, I'm just like, dude, you can't come in. Like, what the fuck? We told you about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we told you no library card, no entry. And we're not giving you one. No library card for Aramon. Never. But this is a uh, but this is all segueing really nicely to our next topic, which is conversions. Actually making your models look something non-conformist to the original you know, GW intended sculpt, which is a wild field that you can get into that varies from just doing a little bit of alterations to the bits or, you know, swapping out a, a head or a mask here or there to com doing complete model swaps like some of Rob's models do. Yeah, my yeah, advice to any Harlequins player... I was going to say, my advice to any Harlequins player building yep. an army is take the extra time at the beginning to magnetize the arms because you, you will thank me later because things change. And, and you want to be able to, you know, go from combat squads to pistol squads to both. And I started off not doing this. Remember, like, guys, there's our once an episode magnet plug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> guys, you don't want to be like Ash when your Harlequins evolve into a Butterfree, and then you're like, oh, no, Butterfree needs to go free, and you're screwed over. No, you don't want to be... Don't be that Pokemon trainer slash Harlequin it, builder. Yeah, it's always just, you know, whatever is okay, good this edition stretch. is not going to be good next edition. So just be yeah. ready to swap it. Keep all your bits. That's what I've done. I mean, oh, that yeah. happened. Fusion pistols <laughs> on everybody. Like, I bought extra Everyone doing arm surgery. You can feel all the well, same players. It's just like looking for different but... melter bits. <laughs> same as what we did. <laughs> 
to real talk, I think I'm just gonna put fusion pistols on all my shuriken pistols out of spite and make the fusion pistol a different bit. Like maybe I'll make the fusion the neuro disruptor and make all of my uh, shuriken pistols fusion pistols. I think I have more fusions than shurikens at this point, so I might as well just freaking do it. I actually so. I bought, like, 60 shuriken pistols, and I need to buy 60 more now, because I lost, like, a bunch of them, but then I used them, or I bought, like, 40, and I used a bunch for conversions for my craft worlds, and then, uh, I think I threw a couple on Harlequins as well, where, like, just for, like, a, uh, Shadow Seer. You know, I used to be really stressed about, like, my fusions and neuros, and where are they all, because you only get two per box of six. And, uh, and and so you do squads of five. So if you buy enough boxes, that six person, you're starting to make extra squads. But now you're getting short and special weapons. So, man, yep. I, I got eight of each yep. 3D printed. or It saved me so much stress. Now I'm, I'm like, oh, I lost one. I don't 3D care. 3D printing and Etsy. Seven more. Like those so, huge level options. If you're looking for different bits, so extra, or you, want, mm. or you don't have a local <clears> 3D printer person. Like go on Etsy, go on eBay. You can probably find someone who also find some uh, a creator who is willing to like you know at least discuss with you if they can print something for you STO and, and estimate a cost for you. So so you know what I want, guys. There's somebody I saw a model of a, a fusion or a neuro pistol. I want like a life size neuro pistol, 3D printed for just, me. Just bring it <laughs> with you when you play. Isn't it so cool? It's really cool. Yeah. Because, I mean, they scale so, right up, right? And I, I just feel obligated to do this. Rob mentioned it before, but a shout-out to our buddy Vandal, who runs Archon 3D Smiths. Um, he's the one who provides a lot of the bits for us that we talked about, where I got all of my stuff from. So definitely go go check him out. He's got a link in our Discord somewhere. Yeah, uh, show away, buddy. He is the best. I just he's think I'd be so person. cool if I showed up to a tournament with, like, a neuro pistol that was yeah. life-size. And, like, <laughs> I just start pew-pewing my opponent. Note, though, if you get conversions, don't be like me and be submitting your, like, conversions two days before the, like, the conversions, I have to be approved by end of Friday, and I'm submitting them tonight because I'm an idiot, even though they were all finished, like, more than a week ago. At least all the ones I think that need approval. So, yeah, be careful, guys. Like, you don't want to feel like an idiot. Yeah, most of my conversions tend to be pretty subtle. Like, I'll, I'll take my troops and, like convert them to be in custom like dance break dance kind of upside down flippy dippy mm-hmm. kind of poses oh yeah i don't or, even ask for those like i i did some cool mounting of like the guns on top of my void weavers that and i made the the their cannon look more impressive and added some bits just to make it look kind of scary so i think most of my stuff is pretty not too many people are going to bat an eye at but yeah. So I, th- I think there's only two steadfast rules. I mean, like, like rules, rules that are like almost yep. unanimous when it comes Don't. to conversions. Um, for one, it has to be on the appropriate base and a yep. conversation. It has to be on the appropriate base just for rules. And it has to fit the same generic profile of the model. Um, I'll, I'll use an abstract example. In Star Wars Legion, there actually is a silhouette that you use that you can put behind your base, and that is where the model is. The model can be whatever you want it to look like, it can be whatever size, whatever, whatever, but as long as you can draw a line of sight to that silhouette, you can see the model. Um, something similar to this. You know, if you're having a, a Harlequin troop on a 25mm base, it's gotta fit the same generic space as any out-of-the-box model would be. After that, there's a lot of minutiae that goes into it. Yeah, I think it's... Personally... Sort of, you can't model to advantage, but you can model to disadvantage sometimes, right? Oh, oh, absolutely, 100%. So it's bigger, like, who cares? But uh, other than base, the base is a problem. But if the model's taller, well, that sucks for you. You're going to be easier to target, but... 
yeah. if you make your model half as high, well, okay. Not oh, so boy. Mm-hmm. Well, that can yeah, get exactly. weird with flying bases, so I actually will talk to opponents and will usually agree that, like, uh, my was... flying bases are way too large, that they're a little shorter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've even had opponents bring You can up, also, like, like no, position you your plane. Like, uh, you can also it. angle your sky weavers in <laughs> yeah. a way to make them easier to hide. Like, I've definitely seen that. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? The, so I think it was rocket. Was yeah. like, what if I make my my skyweavers in literally like a rocket, like vertical, <laughs> vertical. So, so I've I actually had a similar conversation before. <laughs> so I I've had a similar conversation before because I have the um, magnetic ball end bases from um, Magnet Baron. I have the same, plug. Yeah. So I have the um the yeah exactly I have the ball ball socket magnet bases that can rotate and roll and pivot on an axis. So you can kind of so normally the only reason I ever do that is if it's on a piece of terrain and you need to pitch it in order to make it balance. That's the only time I ever mess with it. But they can invariably get knocked and moved and juggled and pivoted. So I always make I always take the personal you know responsibility to make sure it gets repositioned at the end of movement to make it appropriate as if it was just sitting flat you know but i mean you could take those and you could angle them 45 degrees and you could stack them together like a sandwich Uh, uh, get 12 boats behind i was actually guilty of exactly Exactly. i I feel like that's disingenuous my my bike bases were at an angle to account for the bikes having a weird positioning for the magnet and then when one of my when one of my bases snapped for my sky weavers i had to put it on a bike base and it would be angled like a rocket and I told my opponent, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about this, but if you can see me, I'll let you see me, like, whatever. But <laughs> people were giving me a, some stares because I had, like, two, two, uh, one or two of them over the course of a tournament when he started breaking. And I had to transition. I mean, I've had more than... I've had more than my fair share of bases break, of magnets snap and separate, so like a, a model will have to, yep. or specifically a bike usually, will have to be kind of just like put on the ground or like, you know, listen, this is the base, yeah, this is where the model be belongs, if you need me to hold the bike there, I can. Oh yeah, no, I've all my sideweave carriers are about to take, take off, so you can't see <laughs> me, see it. Yeah. The, and I usually, of... in situations like that, I usually try to make sure that the broken model is in an unimportant like in the middle of a pack for example where line of sight to that specific model doesn't matter yeah i use the daughter of kid models in addition to the harlequins so i just have like everybody loves breaking their ankle everybody loves breaking their ankle the best the worst i'm like please just stop they literally i will glue them and then the next day at the rtt after i fix them they will jump off on game two and i'll be like no the best I ever saw, there was a guy who was playing one of the uh, uh, streamed games in one of the big tournaments, and it was Tyranids, oh. and he had a double harpy, but both of them had broken off their base, oh, so he's man. literally playing the game <laughs> with just two stands. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, well, flight stands, you kind of do that with. Like, that's just the thing. Like, flight stands and planes, I've definitely done that before, where I was like, yeah. they can be surprisingly easy to, easy to break off. So... Part of me wants to find a way to, like, I'm, I'm trying to segue back to our conversion and kit bashing segment, but uh, part of me wants to try to find a way to take away the flight. Because, like, I know some people do this. Like, you know, you have jetpack units where they make the base, like, the smokestack coming from the jetpack and whatnot. Yeah. Or, you know, some people put their put their bikes on rocks or on trees or whatnot. I'm not in love with that specifically, but I'd like to find something in that similar vein to put all my bikes and boats on something physical, solid, that isn't just that spindly little stick. I'd like to find some kind of happy middle ground, especially one that fits my theme. I mean, 
You obviously you just do a die. You do a coin. You make it even. <laughs> you make. <laughs> the the. I okay, mean, I mean, so not that specifically, but you're onto something. That's exactly what I'm looking for. You know. Yeah, like if it wasn't. You know, you, I've got the. I've got the ultimate idea. Work? I've got the ultimate idea. I'm going to take credit for this. So what you do is you have a stand. It has an arm that goes up, and it's basically like a puppet with like four or five strings attaching to the model in different places, and it's suspended. Oh, I was thinking. I thought he he had kind of like with to go with the. Uh, oh, I actually really explain like. Explain your death gesture. Explain your death gesture, so we know your. Uh, me. Yeah, that's you're the yeah. one with the really that where like your theme is practically defined by like that's like your def, your definition. Oh, okay, model. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for, first of all, I genuinely like that idea, Red. I, so giving it almost like a marionette theme yep. or a string, yeah, I really like that. But um, so my army is all like playing card and poker themed. So my death gesture is so, and I'll segue this into a slightly different topic. But I, when I do my, con personally, when I do my conversions and my kit bashes and my modeling, I am very stringent about making the model I'm building fit the same silhouette as the base model. So if you were to like black out my model and play who's that Pokemon with my model, you would guess exactly who it is, despite the fact that some of the bits are completely different. Or some of the, you know, like the basing is completely off. You are still able to pick out exactly what silhouette it is. I personally am very strict about that. So like my death gesture, for example, is all painted up like, like you know, painted up like a Harlequin. It's got black, red, and white, yada, yada, yada. But that normal curly wraithbone base that he's normally standing on that he's crouching on i completely cut him off of that and then i sculpted a playing card into this or excuse me i sculpted a poker chip into the same shape as that wraithbone and put him on that and then i decorated the base with dice and stuff but that's exactly what i did so i'm trying to keep my whole army in that whole playing card casino poker like yeah, that's cool you know gaming theme so I'm trying to find a way not only to continue that, but specifically with the... And uh, Rocket and I were talking about this a little bit before off-mic, but uh, I have the That's new Mog and Ra model. model that just came out this year that I'm trying to model as another Death Jester that I'm trying to make fit... The, I love him so much. So that I'm trying to make fit the appropriate base size one um, for one, as well as um, put him on a base that's going to work for that as well. Yeah, my Mog and Ra is going to get turned into the super Death Jester for Arxum Omen, but yeah, the base is going to be a bit large. Luckily, he doesn't have any aura abilities, so I don't think people are going to be too upset, but yeah, so what I'm actually doing with my base is a bit of a different strategy. I'm trying not to spend too much time on the base itself, so I'm just putting some basic grass but or, or some basic sand and painting it, but I actually bought one of those mats, like a game mat, yeah. and I'm trying to make my bases match the game mat as close as I can. Oh, yeah. Sort of this sort of dark theme with a bit of water. So I'm just doing the rocks now and getting the colors almost exact. And then later I'll add a little bit of light water effects to give it a bit of a wet look in place. But I, I just want to do basically do something quick. So, so I've actually got some products I can recommend to you real quick without going on to like a okay. huge tangent. Um, depending on what, what kind of water effect you're trying to do, I'm trying to stretch around my microphone to grab something. Um, I have a product by, um, I, I believe it's called A&K Hobbies, A&K Miniatures. Yep. Um, it's a water gel acrylic that's used for dioramas, and it gives a really nice water effect that nice. has like like a nice transparency to it. I'll see if I can find a link and link it to you. But um, I was originally back at you know a couple of years ago before I needed to move on was doing a Space Marine army that was going to be a Maori themed um, Carcharodons. 
So I was going to do the whole, like, coming out of the water thing. Like, I, I saw a picture on Pinterest years and years ago of somebody did a Leviathan Dreadnought that was, like, half submerged in, a, in, um, in acrylic. Nice. Yeah. So I kind of want to do something of that nature. Yeah, I'm so... I'm, I always struggle with the idea because some people, like, have these amazing, amazing bases. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want my base to overshadow the model. Like, I want the base to look good. I want people to look at it and say, that looks good. But I never want them to be like, oh, the base. And then never... If you want the of... base to really go with the model, this is what I've heard. I haven't done it yet because I just bought it this week or this weekend. Well, within the last seven days. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I have something called Soil, Soil Works pig, Pigment Colors. It's, um, so it's like a, it's, it's like this weird stuff and you use it for basing and I haven't used it yet, but apparently it, it's also great for mud effects on like, like to show or dust effects on boots. So that's like one of the yeah. big uses of these pigments is that it lets you blend them in with the feet of your model yeah. and have a little bit of the like natural blend into the base. Yeah. I've seen some of that. It can look really, really good. Yeah. Yes. So I'm not sure how to do it yet, but that's what I've been told it looks like when you do it right. So <laughs> what Rocket's doing is actually a pretty common thing to do, and I think a lot of us, most of us, probably do inherently to some degree, is try to ter try to base our models, like terrain our models, for lack of a better term, to a specific place or a specific theme or a specific yeah. environment. Whether you do it like yeah. he does, where you have a specific mat that you are actually trying to tailor the bases to, or you just have a generic theme, like my units are going to be on a snowy planet, my units are going to be on a desert planet, or you do something desert off the cuff. Desert planet! Yeah, or you do something off the cuff like mine, where mine aren't on a terrain, they're all on playing cards. They're all within this specific theme that, while not an actual boots-on-the-ground environment, still fit this cohesive, you know, subtext. Uh, so there's a couple ways to look at that, but making everything, you know, kind of flush, making everything, no pun intended, making everything go together is a really great way to maintain a theme throughout your whole army. Yeah, like, oh. you know, Eldar always... Had, you know green and blue and yellow and red and all these different armies that didn't the aspect warriors didn't necessarily look unified but you know bases very quickly you can make your army quite unified if you need to so so another thing is you can as red as rocket mentioned you can differentiate between squads via bases as well yes. not just on the color of the models but on the color of like you can do say two different base colors and two and three different hair colors and that gives you six squads available of any yeah so uh, a trick that a, a harlequin player i was playing him in a tournament and amir match i won by the way but anyway he, he <laughs> gave me a really good tip was he said look at the grass and all my bases because i was like oh i'm having a hard time keeping track of who's in what boat and he said you so know the color of gra grass he said the the color of grass on each boat was the same as the color of the grass on the models that were in it so each squad in each boat had a slightly different color tuft of grass, and that's how we quickly visually identified who went where. And I was like, oh, that's so yeah, smart. Yeah, that's such a good idea. So I, I do something fairly similar with all of my models. So like I said, I put playing cards on all of my bases, and I have all of my different troops uh, segmented into their individual suits. So I have you know a heart suit, a club suit, so on and so forth. And when you run out of you know the four, because there's only four suits, I have a deck of inverted colors. So instead of being black suits and numbers on white cards it's now white suits and numbers on black cards and so on and so forth with red you know red on black instead of red on white so that way you can separate them but i do the same thing with all my transports so the same troop always goes in the same boat so you know exactly who belongs yeah. where yeah I, I do that a bit with my paint scheme so i do my black and white diamonds or dazzle camouflage and i'll do like one squad of 
say, bikes with small diamonds, one squad of bike with big diamonds, one squad of bikes with the dazzle camouflage, which is just different lines going in different directions. And then you can visually very quickly, you can very quickly kind of see, okay, this is this squad, this is that squad. Void weavers have big diamonds, transports have small diamonds, that kind of thing. Yeah. On that note, uh, talking about conversions, big conversions, Harlequins, to a certain extent, are actually uh, big conversion friendly because you can buy all of our weapons, at least our non-characters. Mm -hmm. You can buy, and then you can just buy the characters if you need them. But you can buy all our non-character weapons, pretty much, uh, 3D printed. Yep. And so, as long as you have the right weapons, you could do another elf model as the base, and then customize it and make it clowny or whatever, and then just slap on the weapons. That's basically what I do for my aspect warriors. They're like crazy, angry ladies are the uh, daughters of Kane models. Mm -hmm. And I give them a power sword and a shuriken pistol to make them banshees. And then I give my stealthy keep guys. Well, that fits uh, that fits striking scorpions. So I give them chain swords and shuriken pistols. <laughs> Turns out they all pretty much have shuriken pistols, but uh, that's because I've mostly done melee conversions so far. Even my uh, shining spears have a different uh, uh, elf, uh, chest I stole from a different elf kit. I bought just the chest on uh, eBay, like 15 of them, I think, so I can do. Mm -hmm a reasonably maximal amount of uh, Shining Spears. And uh, they're all female, like from the elf unicorn riders or whatever they are. And so that fits my theme because, I don't know, Shining Aspect Warriors tend to have, outside of Banshees, tend to have a certain masculine flair. So I'm trying to really undo that. Yeah, that's a, I respect that commitment. But that's like, cool. Yeah. And then, like... Uh, for example, I just ordered uh, on eBay. It literally arrived today. I think I've got it on. I haven't opened the box, but I'm pretty sure one of the boxes I have on my hobby desk has all the uh, Avatar Wraith, or not Avatar, uh, Eldar Wraith Knight weapons because I'm converting wraiths yeah. uh, from Daughters, because I was doing a Daughters of Cain inspired one. I made, uh, I'm going to make the snakes into wraiths because there's a medium snake, very hard to get. You can only get it on the Blood Cauldron. It's not even a separate model. It literally comes with, like, an $80, $90 kit. But I'm using that for my Wraith Lords. I'm using Marathi Big Snake Lady for my Wraith Knights. And then, well, Wraith Knight, I don't think I'm going to make more than one. And then the regular Snake Ladies are going to be my regular Wraiths. And I have, like, the weapons for them. And, um... Uh... Or, for example, my, uh, but what are they called? Uh, not Shadow Spectres. I am probably going to do Shadow Spectres, but I think I'm going to keep them the same. Uh, are all of your models converted? Most of them yeah. are, yes. And pretty soon they're going to be, except for the vehicles. The vehicles haven't been converted yet for Craft Worlds. Yeah. But uh, once I get the players' heads switched out, basically everything will be converted. Like, my Seers are literally just kit bashed, like, far Seers. Meiji people and Shadow Seers kitbashed into one to look cool. Like I've got one that is kind of more Shadow Seer esque, but also looks really cool on a on a hoverboard to count as a bike far seer. And so and I sometimes have one that has a giant staff. Sometimes when it comes to your theme, less can be more as well. Like Rob is going completely all out and completely, you know, rebuilding yeah. his army from the ground, and that's totally fine. That's completely valid because because that, that, <laughs> that fits the theme he wants to do. Oh, on something like real quick, let me get back to this. Yeah. you won't get hobby points though. No matter how much, uh, how many hours you put in, you're gonna not get hobby pay points for your damn conversions. They're gonna deny you the hobby points. Yeah. <laughs> Only for painting. Those are for painting. Yeah. 
Yep. But it's um, sad, but it's true. But in some some scenarios, less is more. Like my uh, sky weavers and my star weavers are a perfect example. Like mine are just just painted. But they're put on playing card bases with some dice scattered around the base for some color. But one of the, my favorite things that I do is for all the models that have Zephyr Glaives, I took off the the, the halberd head because it inevitably take, you know, falls off anyway. And I put dice on there. So now they look like big maces instead of the Zephyr oh, Glaives. Oh, that's cool. That's not, really cool. Not only so are they cool. lower to the ground so they stop friggin' falling off, but they fit my theme. <laughs> So, like, oh, like cool. deadass, that's the reason I did that, because the Zephyr Glaze kept breaking off in my battle foam. <laughs> so, like, I would oh, always just pull my models out and have little glaive heads all over my foam. So I just stuck oh, dice on the end, so they have a weapon, but it fits my theme. And that's all I did, and it looks so much better. Yeah, sometimes less is more. Like, I've seen some color schemes. Like, there's somebody, I think it was, like, a dark blue, and then he had, like, orange and just sort of faded into pink or purple or something. But it was, it was amazing, and he painted the whole army the same way, like... I, that when I first started, I was kind of like, I'm going to do every squad different, and they're all going to have different colors. And then I was like, you know what? No, this is starting to look a bit gaudy. So, you know, I dumped them in some alcohol, and I've since kind of gone back to trying to keep. I'm actually adding less and less different elements in as I'm painting along and looking back at some of my earlier models and saying, I'm going to simplify that, while still giving unique elements to each squad, but really kind of limiting my color palette. Yeah. So, painting is also important. Uh, very important. It's... <laughs> Trust thing... me, if you see my models, you'll understand why I get uh, the lowest hobby score. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's one of those things like, you know, if, if my advice for people who are building their Harlequins is get magnets, my advice for people who paint in them is get an airbrush. Mm. Like, Yeah, I, airbrushes are huge. Um, so I can that's share actually, some pictures yeah. on our Discord, but I mean, like, I was like... I basically burnt, like I started into the hobby in like early ninth edition. I was like, oh, I'm going to get back into games, you know, 40K. Look, Harlequins, Eldar, cool models. And I bought them. And I was painting like 20 Harlequin troops and just doing all these base colors. And then I started painting diamonds. And basically I burnt out. I was like, forget yeah. this. Like I, I literally did not touch it for a year. And then I came back and I was like, I need to learn how to use that airbrush. And I got some stencils and, you know, it was, it was a steep learning curve. But like I can I can bang off like a squad like three boats or five bikes in an evening with some pretty nice diamonds that I just use you know vinyl transfers and you know the airbrush and I think they look pretty good and man is it ever satisfying to get nice crisp diamonds and really not spending a lot of effort on it. I, I still need to just buckle down and learn my airbrush. I have it sitting in a box right now, and I just cannot bring myself to, to bother with it. Everybody says this, and they're like, I promise it'll be worth it in the end. Man, I just can't get through it. <laughs> yeah, don't do what I did. Like, I started with white, which is the hardest paint. Like, just get some black, oh, no. like, Vallejo primer, and just put it in, and just use it to base, like, to, to do base coating, and just kind of get comfortable with that concept. And once once you get an idea of the proper thinness and you know just trigger control then you can start you know branching out into further things and that's sort of what i did and before long you know you get pretty comfortable with it and it becomes a bit of second nature yeah so on that note if you want a white get the pro acryl uh monument hobbies whites those are like for like primers especially i've heard they're the best by far like i haven't used a lot of i've like a lot of whites are more like 
light grays, especially for primers, and they do a really good white. Yeah, basically, if you want to paint white, don't paint white. Paint light gray. Mm -hmm. And only (laughs) just barely paint white, you know, for the final highlights. That's what I learned. Go light gray. That is true. That's the same with black, too. If you need white, some companies do better whites. Like, different companies do different colors good or bad so like yeah. there's a lot to white learn is about a painting. yeah white white is a notoriously difficult pigment in yeah. in paint especially in primer so when you find a good white you stick with it yep. yeah like what i basically did my advice is like get an airbrush buy vallejo primer black primer gray which is really like a light gray and then white and then i just like prime black go over with the gray and then i might do some like final highlights with the white and it it looks great. Just just don't go in with like the white primer from the start. It's just going to be a mess. If you want to paint white, paint as little white as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to get best white. <laughs> and, I, and I've actually gotten in. Somebody told me about white inks. Like the absolute, I think, my experience, the absolute best white is actually from ink. So I use Liquitex white ink. But it's really, really fussy. So you got to like do it. It looks perfect. And then seal it with a, a sealant because you look at it the wrong way and you're going to ruin it. One paint I've actually really enjoyed that I've been using for a while now, I put, I did all of my Harlequin masks with it, is, I forget where I found it, i got to find the bottle and find the actual name so I can share it, but it is a true mirror metallic. And I, I did oh, wow. all my Harlequin's masks with it, and I absolutely love it. It's a bit of a trick to get to get the actual mirror finish, because you got to put a decent base layer under it to really get that shine. But so I, it's smooth and not speckly, yeah? Yeah, but it, it's a legit mirror paint. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm super happy with it. I did all my masks with it, and I'm, I love it so much. I've seen um, a lot of color shift paints that people have used, but I haven't seen too many that I've really loved. And I'm wondering if it's because... It's not large enough surfaces to get the curves that you might see on, say, a car. Yeah. To get all the different colors. Well, it's also, it doesn't, it really doesn't photograph as well as it looks in real life. Correct. Yeah. If you see them in real life, they're just, I get blown away by them personally. I use them, but I don't necessarily have the best colors even. Like, I like my Harlequin color choice, but my other color choices have been a little iffy. But I've seen some really amazing ones. You also have to do like an extra. You have to like at least two layer it, maybe three, etc. So it's, it's a lot of work. It's I not think it's a lot of work. Easy. It's, but it's all airbrush. That's the yeah. nice thing. It's all airbrush. So it's actually pretty quick. It's just that you gotta wait for it to dry. I hate waiting for paint to dry. That's really hard. <laughs> that kills me. There's, an, there's an analogy really for a reason you say. <laughs> So I, I can I can actually anecdote that very briefly from my from my career because th- photographing things that change color is notoriously difficult. That's even true in the jewelry and gemstone world because there's a handful yeah. of gemstones that change color and photographing them is one of them happens to be my favorite and it's incredibly difficult. So that that's yeah, not just the paint. Is, that's just in Batty loves mood rings. It's true. The, you know, the, going back to the mirror paint, I think um, the doing some of the really big um, Forge World, like Eldar Knights, like oh. their their helmets with mm-hmm. the mirror paint, I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. Because you have a large surface, or even color shift too. I think those would be good curved surfaces that would sort of show off the Well, Red, Red and I were talking about or, this before uh, recording, that I've got a Scathatch Wraith Knight, and I've got a... Um, 
Revenant, a Revenant Titan that I'm going to be modeling and finishing painting up that's going to be kind of like display pieces for my Harlequin army. I'm likely never going to put them on the table rules-wise, but they're going to be nice little display, you know, Titans for my Harlequins. And um, I'm going to try to model one of them with some sort of a shield, some sort of an energy shield, and I think I'm going to mirror coat that. And if I'm really, really ambitious, I might try to freehand some sort of like reflection inside the mirror and then mirror coat over it. But we'll, you, we we'll can't see. talk about mirror shields, people. This brings up childhood trauma, and no, I am not explaining. But it brings <laughs> up childhood trauma. Okay, lost saves that. Just, we can't talk about this anymore. I'm changing the topic to learning how to paint. Vince Venturella. For the record, go you brought it. V i n c e v e n t u r e l l a. He has an amazing YouTube channel. I link it in the. It's pinned in the Discord. Uh, his playlist for beginner painters to just but like even if you're not really a beginner like he goes so in depth in how he explains things like he explains how to check if a paint is actually thinned enough almost nobody people say to thin their paints yeah but how do you know if it's thin enough he explains it um, in his yeah. beginner videos. rob if you like, send me a link if you send me a link i'll tag it in the show notes when i do the editing Okay, yeah, like, I, I, I literally signed up for his Patreon. I was so happy about his videos. And then it turns out he's actually, like, a big name in the uh, online painting world. He has, like, a mini paint line through, uh, I, I buy the Pro Acro Monument. That's who I've switched to because they're really good. They're supposed to be really good for learning. He, uh, they have what's called, they, they started what's called their signature line. And it's spe specific paint colors based upon what YouTube-type painters use the most commonly that they think they would need. And he's got a line of like seven of those or whatever. He's one of two guys. I don't know the other painter guy. I don't know a lot of painters, so that's not saying the other guy is famous. <laughs> yeah, <you know laughs> I'm just I, saying, what I discovered saying... this guy on accident via the YouTube algorithm, and he's he's so good at explaining, like, like he explains like little bits about the chemistry. Oh my God, it's so... The... I learned so much, even when I'm like watching his more advanced videos. I think the best thing for an intermediate hobbyist or painter is actually to go back and watch those beginner-focused uh, videos, because I think when you're starting, you just you're overwhelmed with all of that mm -hmm. stuff, and then you start picking up bad habits, and then you start painting, and and you can do a good job, but you realize like, oh, I'm I'm kind of maybe doing this suboptimally, but you don't. I guess you don't necessarily know it, and then you go back to some of those more quote-unquote beginner-focused videos, and you realize like, oh. There's an easier way to do that, or oh, maybe I could have done. Oh, hundred you know, percent. Approach that in more in a better way, but until you have that experience, you don't really know that you were doing it wrong, and that what they were saying is, you know, in these beginner videos is actually, you know, probably more applicable to the intermediate. So, it's kind of like you know playing competitively. Like you 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 think you're good and you you learn all these rules, but sometimes you just have to go back and read the rule book again. Yep. You know, there's things that you miss. Well, yeah, I mean, the general thesis of what you're trying to point out is never think you're above learning. Like, you're always yeah. going to be able to pick up something that you didn't recognize or something that's more efficient or just even an angle you didn't realize. Like, I, I mentioned before that I, I also dabble in Star Wars Legion a little bit, and I watch painting tutorials and stuff for that all the time, and I pick up stuff that I never even thought about for 40K that now I use to paint my Harlequins just because yeah. it came from so a guy who paints Legion, not 40K. Yeah. On that note, like recently, just to give an example of like how much there is to learn, like, all right, so famously, there's kind of two brown washes that are common colors. There's like, let's call it mud wash, and then there's dark skin tone wash. Yeah. What's Reichlin the difference between shade. those? And yeah. 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 Reichlin flesh shade versus Agrax or Yes. Yeah. 
So flesh shade has red in it. Yes. All fleshes have red in it. That's how you make a flesh paint, apparently, is you put red in it. <laughs> that was one of my big discoveries of the last couple of weeks. So now I'm... But now, if I want something that has, like, red in it, like, I'm going to use uh, flesh shade for my pinks instead of brown shade. Because there's some red in it. But I'm going to use the brown shade for uh, uh, my desert yellows. So, like, there's always little things you can pick up. And you just... There's so much to learn. It's so fun. And I actually have a learning, small... Learning, guys. The more you know. I actually have a small tip for learning how to paint. One of the, Probably one of the most daunting things in miniature painting is, as you mentioned, flesh tone, skin tone, faces. People have a real hard time doing faces and really kind of getting over that curve to paint faces. One thing I had suggested to me, and I've been practicing a little here and there, to ease yourself into painting flesh tone and faces is paint hands. Just paint your models that are... Wearing, paint extra bits. Paint your models that are wearing gloves as flesh tone hands you'll get used to doing those edge highlights those recess shading like picking out your skin tone and doing the correct the, the correct variances that you can then translate to actual faces that will be more distinguishable yeah my hot tip for painting faces is just put on helmets <laughs> <laughs> skip it <laughs> guys there are snipers there are snipers as as harlequin players we should understand the danger of snipers <laughs> wait you mean our masks oh. aren't bulletproof Oh my god, now I want to uh, talk about a certain sniper that's back, but we can't. We nope. can't. Nope, we're nope. doing that next time. Uh, all I can say is just paintball. Actually, want... like, for me, like, getting into comp. I, I just, I, I do need to say one thing, though. Knife school. Knife school. Knife school, yes, baddie. Rob. I know you Knife hate it, but back. he's back. <laughs> you can save all your thoughts for next week, I promise. Okay. I also am the kind of person who looks at a YouTube video <laughs> and I have to follow every single guy and I panic when I look and I realize I don't have the one of the 20 of those GW paints. And, the, the I know. and then and then I panic and I call up the store and they don't have it. I'm like, oh no. And I go down and like, I've started recently getting into Tamiya paints, like the Japanese paints that people use for Gundam yeah. models. And they are a good substitute. But And it's really interesting because a lot of guides naturally, you know, here in the States is mostly GW Vallejo Army Painter. But I'm getting yeah. a lot of results from Tamiya, and they're also a lot cheaper. So I'm, I'm, you know, this is some maybe some spicy hot topic. But please don't be afraid to just try different things. I know it's scary to like not use the paint that the guys say on YouTube, but I, I found a lot of success like painting with God tanks more recently. It's just using these new paints, especially because for whatever reason, army painters sold out here all the time. Yeah, like the Monument Hobby Pro Acryl are like once you're advanced enough, you should buy every brand of paint. But, like, they're a great paint to learn from, like, beginner to relatively advanced because they're consistent. Like, GW paints have a lot of depth to them and how you use them. Mm -hmm. But that makes it actually, like, a lot of them are, they have specific, they have hugely varied thinness. And, like, paints in general have the problem of, like, the pigments, for example, have different transparencies. Mm -hmm. And that's just, like, a fundamental... Chem chemistry, Until yep. we discover a new chemical that's a certain color, we can't fix that, you know? And yeah, one, one, one other thing I can talk GW about... But varies their thinness a lot, for example. And that totally throws me off, especially with contrast paints. Oh my god. One, one other small topic I can, I can talk about is that I, I live in an area or an environment that isn't always conducive to doing um, priming. Because, mm. you know, I, I, live in, I live in the northeast mm. uh, of the U.S., so it's often very cold, very rainy, especially this time of the year. There's like five months out of the year that I can't go outside and prime because the conditions aren't right. Oh boy. And I live in a certain place where I can't do indoor priming either. So priming is really hard for me, like, most of the year. Um, I know this is controversial. I've been seeing some decent success with brush-on primer. 
Mm. Huh. Yeah. I've actually considered trying it because, as you might imagine, I have to wake up really early during the summers if I want to paint, if I want to... Oh, yeah, because you're, you're <laughs> in arid, humid Arizona. I'm in Phoenix, like... Arizona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I have like the... Half um... the year, I can't prime unless I do it first thing in the morning or right, like right when the light level is still high enough but the temperature is down enough and that's not even like there are months where like you can just do it in the morning right as the sun is rising it's awful i have the uh the vallejo surface primer gray and black for their brush on primer and i've been using it for my legion models as well as the harlequins i've been working on now and i'm super happy with it the white takes a couple layers to apply but it's really quick and once you get it on, the paint stays really strong. And the black is great. The black only requires like one, maybe two layers. Um, it's got a little finesse to it. Like you got to give the bottles a real good shake. Like those are the kind of bottles that if you think you've shaken it long enough, shake some more. <laughs> but um, no, it, it honestly, I'm super happy with it. Plus, but I've zenithal. heard. How do you zenithal with Zen brush? <laughs> so with so you joke, but you dry brush it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, you dry yeah, that brush makes it. sense. No, that makes <laughs> sense. I, I've tried that. It's tough because I'm still new to I'm very new to dry brush. Oh, brushing. don't get me wrong. That's... I'm not good at it, but you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, yeah, because the chap, the chap, chop, slap chop. Slap. It works. It works. It works. Brush. Yeah. I actually, with my models, like part of it is, it, it's just like I want to paint them to a high standard, but I also want to play. And I was like, I need to get my army painted and I need to just play because I feel if you only do one aspect of the hobby, you're likely to languish. So I kind of sort of generated this technique that I'll, I don't know, called air chop or something. But it's basically like prime your models black. And then from a bottom, like I'll do like an object source lighting, like a magenta that'll give one from one bottom angle a bit of a color red. Go to the other side. You can do the same with like a dark blue. And then you go from the top with like a gray and then maybe a bit of white. And you, Interesting. you've already got your three colors. You've got some nice natural shades. You can do a couple of like dark gray, then light gray for the Zenithal. But you can you can get something battle ready like super quick. And I, I, I got like 25 models done and, you know, a few evenings kind of thing. And they're not done. They're not by any means done. But it's, you know, a fundamental colors for my army that gets me onto the table. And then later I can layer you on can build individual off of colors. Exactly. And so I'm like, I'm not going to try to finish five units at a time because i'm new i want to get a whole 2000 points on the table yeah get it done quickly i'll come back later and then i stencil on diamonds and and then i start hand yeah. painting my layers and my extra colors and and i kind of do it step by step and like i always say like not one model in my army is actually finished they all are you know decent tabletop standard but i can do that in don't time. be afraid to that's be battle that's honestly a really yeah, interesting exactly. idea i might try something really similar to that with the rest of my harlequins because again i've got a, i mean i've got a 2000 point army you know painted and ready to go on the table but not all of my models will fit that bill so i might try that with some of the stuff i currently have unpainted and see how how as, as an experiment see how well i could transition that priming method at lack of a better term to a properly painted model and see how it turns i think i might give that a shot yeah, and with my air brush, like I, I did swords like with three different shades, you know, they're glowing and changing, yeah. transitioning of colors, like without even like I basically painted like all my troops without touching them with a brush. 
and and they look pretty decent, right? And 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 I and so now I can just go play games. And mm-hmm. when I feel like I want to paint some troops, I paint some troops. And when I don't want to paint some troops, I'm not forcing myself to paint to get things done. Mm-hmm. And I hate painting under pressure. I always want to be doing it at my own time. Yeah, don't don't paint when under I pressure. When I feel kids. when I feel when I feel inspired, like this week, I'm just having good time painting my bikes. I'm just like, this is amazing. Right. But when you're like, oh, shit, I've got to paint these because I've got a tournament in two days and I want them <laughs> two to get days. To How about board. I have a plane to get on you in. See, I have to leave for the plane in one hour and I have to take 40 <laughs> Harlequin arms and approximately 40 you see people. You need to, to do Red Rockets air chop there, man. See, <laughs> no, no. If you need 40 seconds, you just put the parts in a bag. You see Instagram photos of people like painting on a plane, painting in the back of the car, you know. <laughs> That's not a joke. That is not a joke, people. The, there, there was that picture serious. that went around of the, of the person who was painting the leagues of Votan on their their tray in the, on the plane, or maybe that was like a commission painter who was doing it for yeah, somebody. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that one. Yeah. To me, it's a hobby, and I refuse to do anything anything other than on my own time when I want to. And again, just getting things battle ready quickly with the airbrush just sort of gets you playing, and and everything else is now on your time. It's not on somebody else's time or the time of an event for an event, right? Yeah. So. And one last thing I can mention as, as like a, a good get up and go for painting, hobby and building in general, is to do it with somebody. Like either go to your local game store and, and start up a hobby night where everybody shows up and starts working on things. Um, get on. Oh, we got that. Yeah, my, my game store did too. It's uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, or get online with some of your friends and hang out here on Discord. Use our Discord hey, and be like, of, you know. Speaking of that, Batty, actually, uh, this Friday night uh, and every Friday night except for LVO Friday night. Uh, I'm starting up uh, a Team Battle Brothers in our Discord. I saw that, yeah. Hobby night. Yeah, join up. Yeah, I saw join that. Us. I remember you mentioned it. The, I was working when we were talking about it, so I apologize for not responding. I also don't like talking to you. But, yeah, no, it was a... <laughs> um, no, that's actually a really good idea. It's something we I've, I've done in multiple different scenarios, and it genuinely works. Yeah, in our local so, scene, I started something up called Thursday Hammer. So it's like at the local game store, Thursday night, we're all going to go in. You can play some games, competitive or casual, and just, like, build models. And uh, I find for those kind of social things, I usually like to bring stuff to build because my painting, like, I've got my whole setup. I've got my trays. I've got my airbrush. I've got my compressor. Yeah. It doesn't port very well, but I'll just bring some models and I'll build them and, you know, scrape some mold lines and glue them together and chat and... I find that building is nice for the social aspect, I find. I'm the kind of person that hates hobbying at the micro level. Like, I'm the kind of person that I really have a hard time doing, like, an hour of work here and there. I'm the kind of person that likes to sit on my day off or sit, you know, after work or whatnot and bang out five or six or 12 hours of work and really get a batch of something done. But those little hobby nights are great slices of getting the little stuff done that you can, that you want to do, but you can't justify breaking out all of your equipment for because it makes it that much more palatable because that's the kind of stuff I wouldn't do sitting here alone in my room after work. But when I have a dedicated time to go hang out with my friends and bring my stuff with me, yeah, I'll knock out some gluing. I'll knock out some converting. I'll knock out, you know, some priming that I hate doing that I can't do in my own house, you know, so it's perfect for that. Yeah, stink up the store with the spray paint. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Get the Yu-Gi-Oh! kids high. It's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, it's funny in terms of, like, hobbying and painting. I seem to be a really boom or bust person. Like, I'll get inspiration and some time, and I'll just, like, paint to obscene hours and be like, that's amazing. And then I'll be like, I'm not doing that for two weeks. (laughs) So one of the big things that I'm trying to do is kind of, 
find a, a more pace. Like I think if I did like one or two hours a day, I would probably be a lot more productive than this concept of like I'm going to do like eight hours be a up month, to two a.m. and be exhausted for the next two days. Exactly. Work. And not want to touch anything because I hate uh, I'm painting. I'm the same way. I've, I've kind of found that rhythm a little bit easier recently when painting some of my recent Harlequins and all my Legion stuff. It was a lot easier, especially with the brush on primer. That was a huge motivation for me. Like, okay, I'm going to prime this squad tonight because I can knock it out in like an hour and just do it passively while watching TV or, you know, while playing a game online or whatnot. And, you know, I can very easily do that after work and it allowed me to break up all that arduous stuff into like little bite-sized pieces to then focus on the stuff I like doing, the stuff I want to spend four or five hours on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's why I love the airbrush because it lets me get base colors down really well, really smoothly and really quickly. And what I enjoy is doing those edge highlighting and the glazing and Adding in the light effects. Oh, I love edge highlighting. All of, all of that. For no kind of reason stuff. whatsoever. I love edge but, highlighting. But I have, but I have zero interest in just laying down like two thin coats of base exactly. layer. Exactly. So, so mm -hmm. I've just completely skipped that step, and I can just go into the fun stuff. So. You 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 little uh, edge highlighting whores. Oh my god, you guys are <laughs> sluts for edge highlighting apparently. Damn I'm like, right. I'm not. I barely know what edge highlighting. Is. That's <laughs> where the real fun is, man. Edge highlighting and dry brushing have oh. been my new obsession recently. I do it on freaking <laughs> dry brushing. Dry brushing is great. I feel so skillful, even though I have zero skill. Dude, that's what washes are for. They're literally liquid skill. I'll post done, some of my uh, Star Wars I, models in the chat later, but I have two special Star Wars, two units of Star Wars models that I, one was completely edge highlighted and one's completely dry brushed, and I'm so happy with how both of them turned out. You have an addiction, Batty, clearly. You're like, you're, you're two-timing your painting methods. You can't even decide. Yeah, yeah. I'm a true Gemini. What can I say? <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to mix up painting styles and then you, you'll do some models and then you do some more and you're like, oh, I found a better way to do this. And then you look back at your old models and you're like, ah, oh, crap. Now I want to do those over. <laughs> I, I'm literally doing that as we speak because I'm looking at my old boats, not right in front of me, but I'm looking at my old boats in, in like hindsight and being like, oh, I should do these better. Yeah, like the first stencils that I airbrushed on two bikes now compared to the new stuff that I'm doing that I'm just better with paints, I'm better with consistency, I'm better with transfers and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to do those two over because it's it's not going to take long at this point and But I mean, I've got 12 better. Star Weavers now, I think I can afford three of them to be a little crummy <laughs> Which reminds me, I still have to build three more Star Weavers, prime those paint six lucky, of them Lucky for you, Games Workshop was thinking about you and they didn't want to make you take less models on the table so they just reduced your invuln and not increased the points so you can still take your 12 boats. Oh yeah, thanks for that Next week, next week, <laughs> next week, next week but yes <laughs> Hold, <laughs> hold <laughs> it's, it's the same number of boats It's the same number of guys but <laughs> we didn't see points changes which is you know, weird but okay <laughs> Can I just say, like, I think it's hilarious. Like, you know, we, we didn't want people to have to take less models because people build their collections and, you know, they're really attached to their collections. So we decided to reduce the involm to be nice to Harlequin's <laughs> players. And now let's talk about Tyranids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Tyranid players are just... It's really funny because when you read the spiel on the Warhammer community, they're like, oh yeah, we want we want the Nid players to take more like horde armies, like horde units. 
and you look so at the points changes, the price and none of the, uh, none, none of, <laughs> like none of the guns got cheaper, and everything that supported guns got more expensive. So they're just like, hmm. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll get into it, but uh, Tyranids are not <laughs> in a great shape. Uh, maybe they play 15 guns times like eight, seven of those squads. Like, it's really funny. I had a conversation with a Tyranid player, and and what he described to me is what they're pivoting to. Sounds very similar to what the Harlequins are doing, where it's just like, yeah, I run those guys in, they score my points, they have upset, and then they die. Repeat. Four turns. Done. I'm, I'm looking forward I'm to like, our next hmm. episode to actually get into the minutia of all the data slate changes, because th there's a lot I'm ready to learn, and I'm ready to re really sink my teeth into with some of you guys, and much more like on the cutting edge of what's been going on. So it's I'm really looking forward to it. I think we need to do some predictions in terms of win rates for Tyranids and Harlequins over the next couple of like you know the couple of weeks when the the full data slate is in effect in the new book. Tyranids are going to have negative twenty percent win rate. They're actually going to like you're going to get one point two <laughs> wins every time. You I, I'm 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 waiting forward to our six up invul and we need to pay our opponent to let to have them play with us because <laughs> that, that, that's very <laughs> Punk Rock tried to kill the Harlequins. I think what's going to happen is, off. like, Tyranids' win rates and even Harlequins are going to drop like a stone. But then it's going to start, both of them are going to start to creep up. But I, I, I think mean, they're, gonna, they're both going to end up around 50%, I bet. I don't think either of them Tyranids are, are C tier and Harlequins are A tier still. So we're still, we're still, we're still cooler. Yeah, no, but I, I we got our janky elf bullshit, and elf bullshit never dies. I think Red's got some validity that I think a lot of the. Again, I don't want to want to be negative and say like bandwagoners or like flavor of the month players, but a lot of the less devoted players are probably going to stick around through the nerf and see how they play. And then as soon as the army is less rewarding and less like you know kind of autopilot, they're going to jump ship. So we're going to see that immediate decline in win rate that's then going to stabilize once the actual committed players kind of really sort out the minutia Figure of the data out. slate yeah, exactly. and actually yeah. get good with it again. Yeah, and I think they'll both be okay. I bet they'll both be around 50%, but it might take a month to get there. But I think there'll be an initial drop. Because this was talked about on the uh, the Forge Narrative podcast episode that came out a couple couple days ago or last week or something. Oh, yeah? That they, they talked about how Harlequin is a very devoted faction where the majority of players are Harlequin players. The overwhelming majority of us aren't Flavor of the Month players. We aren't bandwagoners. We aren't faction hoppers. <laughs> you know, you don't count, Rob. So there, there are a lot of I us... Play, <laughs> I still play with my Harlequin! <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally in my army list! Isn't that a whore? Come on. But... <laughs> yes, I literally switched away from Harlequins to be less meta. And then, it like, was one some, time! Some dork in, like, New England wins three GTs with them and makes them look meta. I say this is a guy fault. who currently has his Grey Knights in his battle battle foam bag, but the... the <laughs> hey, they look like they're going to be really good with Arcs of Omen. Well, we can talk about that next, about, next week, too. Yeah, Dread Knights! But... Yeah, oh, sorry. no, 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 no. We can't go there. We can't go there. No, it's all next week. Oh, yeah, God. Hold, yeah, hold, 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 All right, hold, we're hold. ending this podcast. If we keep going, we're just going to keep mentioning it. We just got to we gotta wrap up, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll just say there are only Harlequin players and new players, and we're all Harlequin players here <laughs> in this community. All right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, sayonara, suckers. Next time you hear from us, it's going to be Arcs of Omen time! Yeah, yeah, so next time we're going to be coming in, we're going to be going much, much more in-depth about Arcs of Omens. Rob's going to tell us all about his trip to LVO, because I'm pretty sure we're not going to get to record until after he comes back. So, Oh! Marine 2.0, yeah, baby! Gonna... No, I, don't, I won't have time. Exactly, so we're going to hear all about RTT, Rob's trip to L LVO. and then the weekend before LVO, and then I'm not recording at LVO. Fuck that. <laughs> 
So yeah, we're going to hear all about Rob's trip to LVO, and we're going to dive much, much deeper into the uh, the data slate changes, the Arcs of Omens updates, not only just Harlequins, obviously we're going to focus on Harlequins, because that's what we do here, but we're going to skirt through it, like some of the marine differences, what happened with Guard, what's going on with Tyranids, um, and then the, the, the overall game changes. You know, there's going to be a lot of changes to secondaries, what the new detachments are like, so on and so forth. So that we're definitely going to dig into next week. Don't worry, it's coming, I promise. But for now... Thank you all for joining us. I'm going to give our friends some time to say goodbye, and we will catch you all next time. Yeah, I just want to say thanks to you guys to have me uh, on, and uh, kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with the new data slate. Don't panic. Yeah, that sounds about right to me so far. All right. Yeah, don't panic, guys. And don't forget your towel.